0: Hey, folks, it's Tomo, Sean, and Andrew from What's Going On Here. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google
1: Podcasts. Or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.
0: gentlemen to another episode of what's going on here my name is tomo loverick as you can see we're in video form again because covid is still around and we're still sequestered um for those of you that missed us we had a live cocktail corner with all three of us somehow instagram didn't let all three of us on at the same time so first andrew gave us a drink the uh vino sour delicious i have some remnants of it right here um and sean gave us the spicy count which i already devoured Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Andrew. And uh, my name is Tomo Lovrick, also known as T-Love, in tablecloth manufacturing circles. And with me, as always, I have the young, the aerodynamic, the one that a flock of birds follow everywhere, Mr. Sean Quigley, also known as the Quig, in hmm, piano tuning circles. Sean, how
2: are you, sir? Good, you know, I was sure you were going to say bird flocking circles. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I wasn't going to go there, but yeah,
2: okay. Uh, yeah, no, doing good. Um, uh, of course, um, I say doing good in the in the way that people say doing good uh, when they don't, you know, when they're just saying words, because as we all know currently, Given this situation, the unprecedented situation, I'm basically teetering on the edge of my own existence.
0: <laughs> oh, well, that's really? a cheery way to start the episode. All right, and with us as always, right. <laughs> we have the young, the handsome, the effervescent uh, Mr. Andrew Albagis, also known as A. a- in lawnmower selling circles. Uh, How are you, uh, Andrew, and how's those lawnmower sales going during COVID?
1: Great, great. Everything is, I'm doing great. The sales are great. I mean, people still have to mow their lawn. Um, As a matter of fact, they're looking for any excuse they can get just to be outside. Fathers that are homeschooling their kids are dying to mow the lawn. So they're, you know, looking to upgrade. It's actually, but it's looking to be one of the best years we're going to have.
0: Once again, Sean, this is how you do an introduction. <laughs> COVID has taking the intro life right out of you. Just, yeah, I'm fine. Fuck it. I'm just, no, yeah. <laughs> is the day over now? <laughs> is
2: this nice. the new one? I don't know.
1: To be fair, to be fair yeah. you set me up pretty good with the lawnmower thing, so.
0: Okay. All
1: right. That's a bit easier to transition into than uh what was it? Piano tuning? Piano yeah. tuning. Yeah, come on. Come on.
2: We've had it before. I didn't want to did do want to I it.
1: even I knew that and I was like, I'm not gonna say this. I'm not gonna be the one to call it out. We had piano tuning before? Yeah. I'm afraid oh, so. Man, I'm getting
0: old. I'm, getting I'm I'm recalling the same circles that Round you home day. it's not my fault. You just hang out around a bunch of fucking piano tuners, all right? Don't get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> Find some new friends. God damn it. All right, anyway, folks, for those of you that don't know, what we do on our show is we review popular things in the pop culture zeitgeist and try to analyze them and break them down and figure out what's going on here. At the same time and more importantly, what we do is we review adult beverages. And today we have a IPA from Six Point Brewery, Bengali IPA. This is a 6.6% ABV, Uh, 66 IBU Ale, IPA, um, out of Brooklyn, New York, right here. And we're going to pour this for ourselves, and we're going to taste it for you guys, and we're going to tell you exactly how good or bad it is. And then we'll we'll talk about our topic for today. And our topic for today is Ancient Aliens, the TV show, and UFOs in general. And just the whole subculture of that. But before we get started, let's give the crowd what they want—that sweet sound of cracking open a beer. So, are we? Are we timed, Sean? You got yours. All right, oh. ready? Three, two, one.
1: I mean, can we talk about this can?
0: It's
1: How a cool nice can.
0: A can. It's a nice can.
2: I'm putting two cans. Ooh. In one tumbler that has a picture of Ruth Bader Ginsburg on it.
0: Wow. You know what? That is choice. That's... You know what? Ruth would probably drink that right out of that tumbler, too, and both cans. And probably, like, tell you to line them up before she's halfway done with it, too. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a lovely color. Look at that, huh? Beautiful. A nice head. All right. Shall we sample, gentlemen? Wait, wait, Sean's doing his second one. He's being efficient this time around. and so That's fine. Oh, yes, absolutely. Look at that. That yeah, can, such nice, I, I really. It's a, you know, I really enjoy the six point. The six point does there. Mm-hmm. We've done one of their beers before and it was a very nice one, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this. All right. Ready, gents? Cheers. That's good IPA. Yeah, that's solid. Mm. A couple of cocktails. That's a really, really, really solid beer. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's yeah. nice. Mm. Yeah.
0: Definitely enjoying that. Oh yeah.
2: Very orangey. I was I wasn't sure if how much the color of the can was influencing me, but it
0: tastes so orangey. It's very citrusy. Absolutely. Really nice. It's got um. It's not crazy on the carbonation, but enough to kind of scratch your throat on the way down a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's um it's not too bitter for an
1: IPA, I don't think. Um oh, no, it's not terribly bitter. It's got it's got all the hoppiness, I feel like, that you're you're looking for, but yeah. without so much bitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. It's, right, it's yeah. I think a little bit
0: more hops would push it a little over the edge where it's just not that enjoyable a beer like Mm -hmm. would have when the beers get that bitter you have to pair it with something yeah you have to have it with like a a dessert or a pizza or something like strong tomatoy something to kind of balance out the bitter but this one just right i think it's just right there under the cusp and um, i'm almost halfway done with it when we didn't even start the show (laughs) all right awesome all Mm -hmm. right So today's topic, Ancient Aliens, the TV show. The phenomenon, if you will, that they show on History Channel. And we'll delve a little bit into the whole aliens and UFOs and all that stuff. So let's just start right away with Ancient Aliens, shall we? Because I watched, I took copious notes, mind you. (laughs) And uh, because otherwise, who who can remember it? Because I always used to say, Ancient Aliens is one of those TV shows that when 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 they hit the right court, it's a really fun, entertaining show. And when they get the wrong chord, it's nothing but infuriating because nothing's happening. And mm-hmm. all, there's a couple of drinks and watch that, and you don't ever need to buy drugs because it's just like, you'll just sit there and go, like, what? Wow. Wow. You'll just be blown away with just the stupid shit that they come up with, and you're like, what? What's happening? So, anyway. So, <clears throat> well, what I watched, the first episode that I watched for, for this program was um, – Season 13, Episode 3, which on the website Episode Ninja was listed as one of the, was the best episode uh, for Ancient Aliens. Um, later when I was doing some of the work, I because I, I picked the three best and the three worst, that a bunch of the episodes that they listed weren't even anywhere to be found. So I don't know who the hell Episode Ninja is, but he might be a little dyslexic or in a foreign market and we're not getting whatever the hell he's getting, or she. So, but season 13, episode three was there, and it's an episode called The Alien Protocol. And this is actually one of those episodes that when you watch it, you're like, well, this is interesting. It really is interesting. It's entertaining. Um, They are very, um, they're very clever, whoever produces the show and puts it together. They get enough like real scientists on there that you think, oh, these guys are legit, and they do research in a legit way. They don't. They just get freaking scientists like the, uh, what was it, Travis Taylor, PhD astrophysicist, who talks about theories in general. And you know, just kind of like, almost like mental exercises. Does this happen? It's like, well, if the aliens were doing such and such, would they do do this? Would they do that? And one of the things he pointed out was, you know, if we get an encounter, we're kind of not, our technology is not prepared. Because it takes like six months to get a launch prepped to go into outer space. As opposed to kind of like just getting in your car, turning it on and taking off and going and doing it to encounter whatever threat it may be. So you hear guys like this and you're like, wow, these guys are like really legit. We have some real scientists here. And then it goes on and then there's a bunch of just like kooks. And this episode in particular had like everybody that's like, almost on every episode in this episode. And what they're basically talking about is, and again, they got some other, like, legit scientists on there who are part of some astronomical society or whatever, and they basically talk about, very much in an abstract way, if aliens come, who do they talk to? Um, how do we approach them? What do we say? You know, very abstract, and just kind of have a plan if it happens. Not that it's going to happen, but... If it happens, like I said, it's like more like a mental exercise, and they have all these legit people, and then the kooks start coming into the story. Uh, the main one being Giorgio Tsoukalos, the guy with the hair like that, like the meme guy, eyebrows and uh, like a, a slight lift. Not oh, that's great. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? A landline? It's yeah, it's a landline. Believe it or not. Oh. Yeah. Great. There's another phone somewhere. This, this is really, this is making the episode so much better right now. I, can I just tell you guys? All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Covid edition. We're home. Okay. Yeah. All right. John, do you do you have a landline at your home? No. Okay. No.
0: I'm old fashioned. I have a landline. There's a lot of um. I don't know why. I still have. You,
1: a you guys have been. You've been there for quite a while, right? How long have you guys yeah, been? Yeah,
0: we've been. We bought this house in '99, so we've been here for 21 years.
1: Yeah. So back then you had to have a landline, and nowadays, and like if you were at a place when you had to have a landline, then today you still have one. But if you right. moved in afterwards, you don't have. One. That's kind of how I. That's how it usually is.
0: That's that's pretty much what it was. And, go ahead. You're saying something.
2: I'm curious. You know, I had the little hole in the wall. Go down to a thrift shop and buy myself a hot pink. Barbie
0: phone and just plug it in the wall and see what happens. <laughs> you could. It might. It might be live. You never know. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. So anyway. So like I was saying. So it's Giorgio tsukalos who's the publisher of the magazine called Legendary Times, which, in of itself, the title of that magazine is kind of like, all right, this dude really wants to be big pimping. And if you see the early episodes, he's in a full suit with a tie, and has a shit-ton of bronzer all over his face. You watch, like, the early episodes where he's on, you're just like, is this where Trump got his idea? Because this dude is like, I mean, he looks like a bag of cocoa blew up in his face, and he didn't know what to do. It's like, Georgia, what are you doing? And the hair is like, he looks like he just stepped out of Dragon Ball Z. Like, that's the only only proper uh, uh, way to describe his hair. That's his hair, right there. Yes, thank you. (laughs) What are the odds? What are the odds? While well, I wear my DC shirt during the whole thing, it's like, can you be any more geeky? All right. Um, then there's David Childress. And this guy, if you don't know the name, I will do the imitation because, as my wife pointed out correctly, the guys that are regularly on the show, they're, all of them, guys and girls, there's something just unappetizing about them. They either have a lisp or their teeth are too crooked. Or they just look like they haven't showered in weeks and someone just frickin just put Febreze all over them and put them in front of a camera or or, or whatever it happens to be. And this is David Childress. He's the guy that talks like this. He's a little bit heavy and he usually has a goatee or a beard. And every time he ties something together, doesn't matter what it is, it's aliens. And the pyramids are shaped like inverse ice cream cones because the aliens like ice cream. That's why they're built that way. And that's the kind of shit he says. It's like everything's tied to aliens with this guy. Like, literal. Like, the laundry, a laundry machine, sideways load. That's how aliens travel through the universe, and that's why laundry machines are made that way. It's like this guy will tie anything to aliens. It doesn't matter. Then comes along William Henry. And I love the titles they give William Henry has, he's the guy that looks like you saw him in a roadhouse somewhere on Route 66 in, <laughs> in the West that he dresses, he, he's the cool history professor or the cool archaeology professor where he has like a jacket, but it's either um, tweed or made out of like suede, like, like a dress jacket, but underneath it is a denim shirt that's open like to here, and here he's got like a turquoise eagle necklace always, you know, and then has the like leather bands wrapped around here like he's like in a biker gang, but he doesn't want to let the rest of us scientists know that he's in a biker gang. Um, And his title was author and investigative mythologist. What the fuck is an investigative mythologist? Can can somebody uh, uh, help me out here, guys? Sean? Uh, Does he investigate
2: mythological? Things so it, you got the word investigative, which is like implies he's he's looking at the stuff He's not an expert in it. He's not a doctor of it. He's investigating. Right. He's he's in the middle of trying to figure out, and the thing he's trying to figure out is a whole bunch of shit that no one knows anything about, and that's hence it's mythological. But I
0: mean,
1: what's a mythologist so, to begin with? I think it's the type. I think it's the guy that goes out looking for Bigfoot, right? Wouldn't that be an investigative mythologist?
0: Well, I mean, a mythologist, you figure, at best, is somebody who just studies myths from around the planet, right? Well, that's the thing. The problem
2: with that title is, it implies you already have knowledge of the fact that the very things you're interested in are myth, whereas most Bigfoot hunters, I would imagine, the well that one big thing is the Bigfoot ain't a myth, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real beast up in the woods. I've seen him. It's true.
0: That's true. true. It's true. Wow. Big Bigfoot Israel. I mean, wait, I said that too fast. It sounded like Bigfoot Israel. It sounds like a a, a a college student from Utah or something. Um yeah, okay. Then they had an astrobiologist. Oh, that was the guy who's part of the um International consortium that basically talked about what the world should do in case aliens do make contact with. It. And so this episode was basically going back and forth. They had another uh, a couple of PhDs. One of the guys that comes on, he's great. He's English, Nick Pope, and they always list him under UK Ministry of Defense. And he was at the UK Ministry of Defense um, from like the mid '80s to the early '90s. But at no point do they say what his job at the UK Ministry of Defense was. For all we know, he was the janitor. Like literally, like that's like, but they have him on there as if like, he had access to all those secrets. But then every time this dude talks about it, he says, and then maybe perhaps there are some classified documents that they are not telling us about. And I'm like, shouldn't you work there? Shouldn't you fucking know if there are classified documents? You work with the Ministry of Defense. Where are the documents? Why don't you know these things? Anyway, next, some other random PhD that they got on there to talk about something completely unrelated, and then there's a guy, Rabbi Ariel Bart Sadok, and he's like, whenever they like bring and he's again very well spoken guy, but he's one of these big guys that talks basically like how our religious figures were all aliens, like back in the day, you know, um, Elijah. Riding his uh horses with lightning through the sky, everybody everybody's an alien his that's, his His thing is like there's no reason to think they're not, and you know from a philosophical standpoint, there isn't because we weren't there six thousand years ago to tell you or not, but you know you could technically be right. it might be highly improbable, but it is possible that's guys to be the that's like it had to be a jewish leader
2: that they felt like from my experience of having my wife is jewish her family is jewish and i've met a few rabbis and i love i i was raised catholic i'm not religious now but i love the system of the rabbi for basically being as opposed to i grew up with a priest being you know the all knowing the conduit to god He's the guy you go to. He's going to have private conversations with the man upstairs. Like when you leave the room, he's going to have a conversation, get back to you, whatever. Like the rabbis know nothing and they will tell you they basically know nothing. And like their main trick is just to be able to like facilitate you to be able to find the answers for yourself. They're like, I'm not going to give you answers, guy. You do the hard work. That's the <laughs> point of this? The whole point of this thing, the reason we're here is you have to find the answers for yourself. They're basically a therapist. It's what they, they haven't done. They're like, mm-hmm. it's like and they're not going to give you any answers. They're going to be like, well, I mean, maybe, possibly. What do you think? If you go away and come <laughs> back, like, or well, perhaps. So, of course, of course, they have a rabbi on there.
0: Yes. Then, um, they have Andrew Collins on there. Andrew Collins, if you've watched enough of Ancient Aliens, and you'll see him in old footage, He's a bold – in old footage, he's a bold guy with a long ponytail. Like, you know, that guy – and I had one of those guys at my job when I was there. Super nice guy, but definitely, like, very little hair here, but all the hair here is grown, like, two feet down the back with the Led Zeppelin T-shirt, still going to the fair, trying to pick up chicks 30 years his junior, you know, that kind of thing. You know, enjoy beer. Really mellow guy, really nice guy. Nothing wrong with him, but this is who he was. Andrew Collins is that guy, but put him in a Guy Ritchie movie. This is who he is. And I'm not quite sure where he's from in the UK, but that's the way. He he, he almost talks like Michael Caine. And I'm not sure why he talks that way. But anyway, he progresses. And then the hair comes off later, and it's just like the Friar tuck with the ball on top, and then eventually he's just bald. And he goes in this episode and talks to two proper scientists who basically bring up the theory of panspermia. And for those of you that don't know what that is, is basically the theory is that life came to earth from outer space. Not because of aliens though, it's because of organic matter from someplace else, came through the atmosphere, landed on the planet, and that's how evolution started. Did an experiment on the show, where they basically send up a weather balloon way up into the stratosphere. And there's a certain point in the sky where um, the material from the planet cannot get above. So in other words, if a big storm comes or whatever, the the, the particles, they can only go so high from the ground up. And the highest they'll get in that part of the atmosphere, they'll be like 40 microns big. That's the most they'll be. And technically, any particle bigger than that is extraterrestrial. And you know, because of ET, that awful movie that Andrew just loves with Wild abandon. A great movie. (laughs) Um, Because of ET, people always associate extraterrestrial with aliens. No, extraterrestrial just means outside of Earth. So technically, any particle bigger than forty micro uh, microns or micrometers coming down is technically extraterrestrial, and they have. And they, like, got samples, and they got basically 200 micro, micron particles. And they blew it up on an electron microscope, and they looked at it, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I can, see, I can see panspermia being a thing because these things are very obviously coming from outer space to the planet. Where they come from, they don't know. They have no idea. But they're coming to the planet. So, of course, the ancient aliens people just run with it. And they're basically, like, basically saying – I'm not quite sure what they're saying. Whether the aliens are just like throwing seeds around, or if it's a giant alien like beaten off and just like spraying, you know, wherever he sprays it, and, and this comes to Earth, whatever. Anyway, so from there... was that the story in Prometheus? Pretty much, wasn't it? In a way. Yeah. So, um, ah, that that's what it was. Um, no bigger than six micrometers can escape from the uh, atmosphere, and they detected 200 micrometers particles past this point so by its very definition it couldn't have come from the planet it had to come down to the planet and then they have the brookings report from 1961 i wrote that down what that means i have no idea and then in the episode they had john podesta who was the white house chief of staff from 98 to 2001 so you're like oh this is a legit episode he doesn't say anything he just says like well yeah we had plans you know in case something happens because like all world governments have these especially the big ones have these plans like well, if something happens, you know, maybe we could do this. And these are, and these aren't like, plans, like, that you have with your wife or whatever. It's so like, well, you know what? If my cousin Vicky comes from, you know, uh, Denver, Colorado, we set her up in the bedroom, and she could stay with us for two weeks. Not that kind of plan. These are plans that are like you made in eighth grade that you are going to have a Lamborghini of a different color in 12 garages of yours by the time you're 25. And then you finish college and you realize, oh, my God, I owe $800,000 because I got a degree in English literature. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's very useless. And then they had a guy on, which just puzzled me on this episode. He was a Mars One candidate. And I'm just like, is this supposed to be like a scientific proof or legitimacy? I don't. Anyway, and then from there, they have, oh, they have the, uh, the woman that's always on there, Linda Moulton Howe. And they talk about the Majestic 12 operations manual that was written by, oh, Eisenhower, I think. And basically they were talking about, especially back there when the space race started, like what to do with aliens. And the government had all these manuals that they wrote. And that's like their smoking gun. And the aliens were called the Ebens, E-B-E-N-S. And I mean, that was more or less the whole episode. They had some fun theories and it's like not bad, great, entertaining. Next episode I watch, the Treasures of the Gods.
1: Oh. You saw it? Yeah, I watched this one. It was terrible. Um, so I watched, okay. I, uh, of the four episodes that we were talking about watching for recording this show, I okay. watched all but one of them, which is okay. for time, timing and everything, I, I didn't quite make it. The one I didn't see was the one you are just talking about. That's why I've been so quiet. Okay. Um, it
2: was the only one I did.
1: <laughs> um the season 13 one so so season seven episode four treasure of the gods i watched that earlier today prior to that i watched um season five episode five and season six episode 11 which i'm sure we'll get into season seven episode four treasure of the gods is the only one i didn't fall asleep while watching (laughs) <laughs> okay,
0: and why didn't you fall asleep? Because this was shit, this episode, <laughs> literally. Because I'd already
1: watched two episodes and fallen asleep during them, so I, I watched this one while I was doing stuff around the apartment to make sure I stayed awake. <laughs> <laughs> so you wow. really gave it your full attention, is what you're saying. I, actually, what I, what I got from this episode, I did think was a little bit more entertaining than the first two I watched. Although, the Einstein one went into some interesting things. Um, I just didn't feel like the Einstein one really dove into aliens that much, but I can save that for when we get to that episode.
2: They have the formula all wrong. Like alien shows, things about aliens is enduringly entertaining if you embrace the fact that the people that are obsessed about the aliens are crazy, like fools who need help. And this tries to be so serious. Yeah. And that's why it's boring. Because yeah. the crazy people are held up on a pedestal, like they, know that like, w- like you're sitting there and having a conversation with them,
0: like it's it's, it's not. Have you seen and I- they they have a like a like a comic con for ancient aliens? Have you seen like footage of this? And no. these guys like Giorgio and Waltz's face, David Childress, they walk in, and you thought fucking Chris, Steve Rogers, Evans walked in with his dick in his hand, the way these people. Cheer it's
2: it's insane and um, like- it, as a, a slight side note before i forget you, you made me think of it when you're saying about um whatever did you hear i read today that uh tom cruise nasa is letting tom cruise film a f- film in the international space
1: station yep i heard about that it's Thanks. like a day old news now right or two yeah. day a day or two ago it just said it of course the first person to make a movie in space, or at least he's trying, is going to be Tom Cruise. Yeah. But here's the real question. How old is he going to be by the time they get this up and going? Because they're just talking about it now. And I think he's turning 60 this year.
2: Yeah, but he looks good.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, he, look, yeah he, looks, he looks as good as he did when he was 20. But he's going to be like 70 years old. There's no way this is like they're um, going into production anytime soon. He's no. done Harrison Ford thing.
2: Like, you know... Like, he can, he can make it work. You know, Harrison Ford was, what, like 70 when they made the last Indiana Jones, probably? Maybe 60,
1: Late like 60. True. That's true. But he wasn't in outer space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise can probably, Tom Cruise will be doing stunts and shit, making movies until he's like in his 80s, if not later. Tom
0: Cruise is the prototypical, I'm never going to get old and die guy. He is that keeps wanting to do his own fucking stunts. It's like, dude, get a stunt. This is why on the last Mission Impossible, he wanted to jump across from one roof to the other. And, you know, he had a cable on him, too, and still broke his ankle. It's
1: like, dude, what are you doing? Stop. Get a hold of yourself. But after he recovered, he went back and did all the rest of his stunts. Have you seen that movie? I have not. The shit he does in that movie is unbelievable. Those movies are so good. Yeah, especially, the newer, especially since... uh since What's-His-Face started directing him, uh, Chris McQuarrie.
2: Yeah, he did the, so the, the other one, which is really good, the one he did, um,
1: Jack Reacher, first one. Oh, that's how him and Tom Cruise, I think, started working together. I haven't seen do that. You know,
0: do you know who lost out
1: to Tom Cruise for Jack Reacher? H- have
0: either of you ever read the, like, the Jack Reacher novels, by the way? Yeah, I read one. Really I good haven't. novels, a bunch of them. After a while, it, they got to be the same, and I stopped reading them. The Rock lost out to Tom Cruise. Really? And I will point out that the character of Jack Reacher in the novels. He's dude, right? 5'275". Yeah. Basically the size of the rock. And somehow Tom Cruise got the role, who was 5'9 yeah. with friggin' three inch heels. I mean, come on now.
2: He, they're doing, um, they're, they're planning on doing more movies. Um, they were planning on trying to spin into a franchise, but then because it came at a time where Tom Cruise, he looked like the Mission Impossible movies, which was his Bond franchise, was sort of winding out of time. He did the Jack Reacher because they're like, look, we're going to try and make another James Bond Mission Impossible thing. And he was like, sign me up. Um, I forget the name of the author who wrote the Jack Reacher, uh, Lee Child. Lee Chart. Yeah. He, he was never a fan of Tom. Like, because he said, he maintained the whole time, like, he's not right. Like, Jack Reacher is, the whole point of Jack Reacher is he walks in a bar. And everyone turns and they're like, right. "Wow, don't mess with that guy!"
1: Right. Like
2: that's the whole point of him. Um, but he uh, he did that and he met Chris from Macquarie, directed that movie, hit it off big time, and was like, "You know, I guess we're talking about blah 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 blah." And at some point along the line, you know, Tom Cruise probably said like, "Hey, you know, Mission Impossible. Like, I have all the rights. I'm the exec producer. Like, hey, how about we just do this, but Mission Impossible." he was like, okay. And they made like Ghost Protocol, huge success. And they made four that like, huge success. Now they're making the next one. And then the next four Tom Cruise movies are all Christopher McQuarrie related. Even Top Gun, he wrote. He didn't direct yeah. it.
1: Wrote it. Yeah. Well, and they're shooting. So they did the last two together, him and McQuarrie. And they're doing, what was the last? What the hell was that? That was five and six. So they're shooting back to back Seven and eight as like one giant movie, and then it's going to be split into two halves. And that's again with Macquarie. Um, that's crazy.
2: And they did the sci-fi one, the live, die, repeat thing. Um, was oh, was a...
1: Macquarie one of the writers on that?
2: Yeah, he wrote that. <laughs> that was a
0: great movie. That
1: was yep. a fun movie. Yeah, that was a fun. Yeah. Movie. Look, uh, Mission
2: Impossible are great. Those two movies are. I hold uh, Ghost Protocol and Fallout are my two favorite of the whole. Well, you mean
1: Rogue Nation, right?
2: I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, Rogue Nation and
0: Fallout are my two favorite. The other one, The Ghost Protocol, wasn't bad though. I have to rewatch that. But remind me which one was which. The last one I saw in the theaters was the one with the, I believe the actress is Swedish. Rogue Nation. They had to do that <laughs> whole underwater thing to get the the. Computer. Yeah, that was Rogue Nation. When he's like got to hold his breath to break. Right. The, yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's a fantastic one. Um, Simon Pegg, I think, is great in, in the series. Yeah. Um, I love the whole thing where the car flips over so many times and he gets knocked out and then he wakes up starts screaming and they're like, <laughs> the car is settled. I thought that was just like brilliant because like, yeah, that's kind of what happens when you get knocked out. <laughs> so, I, I mean, look, I think his movies are super entertaining and from everything I've read, he's like super um, focused when he makes these movies. He's yeah. like, into it he's he's um he does all the stunts he makes sure everybody knows their parts like like you're gonna be a fighter pilot i was reading about uh, val kilmer i think wrote something the other day like they're supposed to do a uh, 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 simulation hours in a freaking fighter pilot simulation and know
1: their you know, like homework basically like like they're gonna fly in them do you know for the no for the newest top gun all of the aerial footage are the guys yeah, actually flying in planes. And Tom yeah. Cruise was like, if you want to be in this movie, you need to learn how to fly a plane. Yeah, so, like, yeah. all the actors that are in the movie that fly planes in the movie had to learn it and are actually flying them for all of the footage. He's Which, nuts! It's nuts. And, I mean,
0: kudos to him. I mean, it's one of the reasons yeah. why, why, um, whatchamacallit, Fast and Furious was such a success and such a huge franchise because all the car stunts were real car stunts, nothing was CGI. Like all that racing, that was all just like live footage. Like there was no, yeah. oh, so let's CGI this and let's CGI that. Everything with like Chris
2: was- movies, it's like you watch the Chris Nolan movies and you're like, you know, it blows your mind for the same reasons. Right, yeah. But yeah, yeah the space movie, he, apparently he's doing it with Elon Musk. It was the in. he Him and Elon Musk like got together and were like, Elon Musk was talking about SpaceX and Tom Cruise was like, Man, I've always wanted to go to space. I want to do a film in space. And Elon Musk was like, "I can make that happen." <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "Man, we got to do that." And he's like, "Yeah, we're totally going to do that." And they came up with the idea they're going to make their first movie in space with SpaceX ships. Um, supposedly NASA is involved in some. Well, kind of that's issues. the secondary. But there's the latest news. Is I guess they were like somewhat probably Tom Cruise or his production team went to NASA and they're like, hey me and Elon are going to do this film up in space. Like, you don't want to not be involved. Like, you're fucking NASA. We're going to do the first movie up in space. Do you want to get involved? Like, I hear you got that pretty cool International Space Station sitting up there. That thing's got to be pretty cool. They're
0: like, Yep. <laughs> You know what, though? I, I seem to remember an anecdote, and correct me if I'm wrong. Tom Cruise, this is not an original idea, because wasn't there like a po- couple of porn stars that were training to be astronauts so they could film the first porn in outer space? No? Oh, whatever, you guys I don't know. We, that's a question know. we'd
1: ask you, Tomo.
0: Uh, yeah, like you guys don't know. What, if, what? You guys are full of shit. Now we're recording it, and they're like, what porn? What is that? I don't know what porn is, whatever. Okay. We're, we're right.
1: <laughs> Here's something. We're all talking about how ambitious Tom Cruise is, right? And what, you know, how, how crazy it's gonna be for him to be the first person to star in a movie, blah, 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 blah. What about the crew that's gonna have to shoot that thing? How the fuck are they gonna do this? I mean,
2: just teach the people the, the people up in the International Space Station how to be a fucking
0: grip. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, if, if they're smart about it, they'll try not to make it like a Hollywood movie, and they'll try to make it like a fucking Zoom conference. Like the way the actual space footage is when they show like the um, astronauts shampooing their hair uh, mm. uh, in space or like the way they're drinking water or whatever, they're just gonna keep it that way because then it's just gonna feel a lot more real. So just float around though. Yeah. Cameras, everything. Somebody like crack themselves and like dookie just kinda go by in slow motion. I don't <laughs>
1: know, maybe. Could How happen. you gonna, I mean continuity's gonna be a bitch. With shit floating everywhere. Every space movie I've ever
2: seen that takes place in anywhere like the International Space Station, there's one drunk Russian guy who doesn't get on with anyone else. There is. <laughs> Sergei. Wes. Oh my God! Where's Sergei? The commander's American. He's like, I am doing my own thing in the boiler room.
0: Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's always an engineer. It's true. It's. Or he works the compost bin, one or the other. I don't know which one it (laughs) is. So, season seven, episode four of Ancient Aliens is Treasures of the Gods. And all they talked about is basically all these treasures in different cultures that they were hiding from invaders and whatever else and taking them to hide to bring them back to the aliens. And that was the whole episode. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? You guys didn't say anything. This is literally like, because you're like expecting them for them to expand. First, it was, oh, the copper scroll that they found with the Dead Sea Scrolls. And how did they, they found that the copper scroll lists 64 treasures on it? And you're like, okay, what, what are the 64 treasures? And they showed some British guy who's been studying it forever. And it's like, eh, no, not, let, let's go to Egypt now. It's like, wait a minute. What, what happened with the 64 treasures? And then it went to Akhenaten, the heretical pharaoh who was an alien for some reason. Um, Solomon's ring, King Solomon, David's son. His ring controls Ashwadai, a demon. Uh, Apparently he had a laser sword. Right. He was a Jedi, very obviously. And we all know Star Wars happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, Montezuma's treasure is in Utah. The Aztecs, like, took it there and um yeah that's it and it was just like wait a minute this is the episode we just the ancient cultures like took their like
1: one of the only thing, one of the only things that stood out to me in that episode was the potential for a lightsaber which excited me and um the thing i think it was with the the aztecs or the do i have this right whoever it was that they said went to utah wherever they were originally in south america mm-hmm. was it the aztecs mm-hmm. they said something about like. Um, a giant spear fell from the sky, and then like, and all the prophets came out from it or something, and then they cut to the crazy hair dude, and he was like, basically, a spaceship landed, and all these aliens came out. That cut, you know. Everything, no matter how
0: banal a thing was described in mythology, it's a spaceship. The bowling ball fell from the sky. Well, very obviously, that's a spaceship. What else could it be? it couldn't be anything else it's a spaceship couldn't be giant hail or anything like that it's a spaceship all of it yep all right so then we go to oh they, right they talk about the 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 um oh what's the name of uh, 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 um in delphi greece the, the 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 woman that does all the future predictions what was she called oracle. oracle thank you yes they talk about that and they're talking about in 1936 um basically what uh, uh, um Raiders of the Lost Ark was pretty much based on. In 1936, Hans Schleif, who was like a Nazi researcher, they went looking for the Anfalos stone that belonged to the oracle at Delphi. And they were in Greece in 1936, like, searching everywhere, because that was the great hook in the Hellboy movies, like, especially the first one that Mike Mignola did, that the Nazis, they really did go looking for and they kind of addressed it in, in, in uh, uh, um, the first Avenger. They went looking for mythical treasures everywhere because Hitler was obsessed with the occult. And he just thought that if we get every little religious artifact, we're going to take over. So that was that. Uh, oh, and then there was like the chambers in the Kerala's treasure in India. There's a chamber that they couldn't open. And so, of course, because they couldn't open this treasure, they don't tell the chamber, they don't tell you why they couldn't open the chamber. Like, there's a big steel door, and there's two giant Cobras on or something, and this is a dire warning, but it's hiding alien tech, 100%. That's what it's hiding in there. I'm like, maybe if they open up the door, the whole fucking thing falls on everybody's head, and that's why they can't open it. They never tell you why they can't open it. They just say they can't open it. And I'm just sitting there going, like, I'm pretty sure with an acetylene torch, they could just kind of, cut right through the steel door and open it. Like, no, it's alien tech and it's being protected. Like every, literally everything. And all I can think of was like, it's somebody's laundry that they left in the basement for like 3,000 years. Alien
2: tech, I love it. I like to think that in a thousand years from now, people are gonna look back on Flex Seal and say that that was alien tech. <laughs> They're like, they got this crazy liquid rubber material. It can fix anything, holes in boats, holes in a house it can make a thing, It was uh,
0: it's alien tech. That the aliens brought, it's not something we made. Because that's the other thing, it's kind of insulting, and that brings me to like season five, episode five, the Einstein factor. And they're basically talking about Einstein and his brain and how his brain, when they, um, when he died and they autopsied it and took out his brain and took slices of it, the brain structure was that of a 20 year old. It's like, okay, um, so the guy was just like, I mean, he was freaking Einstein, right? That was fascinating. But it was fascinating, absolutely. Does not like, mean he was an alien? No, but but what they took from there was that he and all these other really smart guys, Ramanujan. They made the movie about him. He's the Indian mathematician that figured out. Um, um, uh, what movie called? It was what's his face from, from Slumdog Millionaire played him. Um, what was the movie called? That. Yeah, um, the man who knew infinity. I think was the mo- movie was called. And Ray Fiennes might have been in it. I I, I could be wrong there. But him, Socrates, Tesla, Da Vinci, Einstein, they all tapped into the Akashic Record. And what the Akashic Record is, for those of you that don't know, is basically this theory that uh, it's like a different dimension that all the knowledge of the universe rests. And these guys were able to tap into it and bring it to us. And the aliens talked to them and helped them out. And so here's my question. Why would the aliens tell us how to make uh, a nuclear fission as opposed to fusion, which is way more efficient and way safer? Why wouldn't they tell us what fossil fuels does to the environment? Like, who are these aliens and how sadistic are these sons of bitches? Why would they tell us? You know, it's like, and everything's like, aliens are helping us. And like, they're real assholes, these aliens, because they're just letting us fucking shit all over the planet. Who? these aliens and why are they so vicious to us you know and then at the same time it's funny i want to play devil's advocate for both sides though so on the one hand it's I, I mean i remember when i was a kid in the late 70s there's nothing that i wanted more than for aliens to like space people you know star wars star trek all that that's that was literally like i was the one that was always like i want that to be real and then i'd read science books and carl sagan and they're like no no it never happened it doesn't exist no, that's just stupid. That's like, wait a minute. So you're saying we're the only planet in the universe where life can exist? Is That just seems like a little bit egocentric. And then people on the other side says like, well, it's egocentric to think that aliens will visit us. I mean, we study ants, right? We think they're, and there's a whole field called entomology. Maybe there's a whole field out there in the universe called humanology. And they just study us for like the dumb shits that we are. It's like, oh, look at these stupid idiots. Look what they're doing. You know, you know. So it's like that's why this show, like, it can be really fun if you take it with a grain of salt, or like really frustrating. Where it's just like the ones in particular that kill me is every time a demon is mentioned somewhere in like a religious text,
1: that was an alien that like like reneged on a deal with a human somewhere. The
0: hell! Yeah, so it th-
1: kind of got it kind of got under my skin every. Every episode, not that I watched that many, but it seemed like every time they went to explain something, whether something from like an ancient religion or faith or something, it was like, even in the Einstein one, they were like, perhaps Einstein was closer connected to the gods or something, they said something like that, right? And then they're like, which the gods are aliens that visited us before. And it's like, well, I can see like you're drawing some parallels here to get to, Einstein being connected to something divine or that's how he came up with all this knowledge and everything else and I was at that point I was like I'm with you guys like I'm interested keep going but there was no evidence in that one to say that the divine was an alien so it was like you led me to believe that maybe Einstein was closer to some sort of divine power and that's where he got his knowledge from but then you just basically were like by the way you're watching a show called ancient aliens so when we say divine we mean they're aliens. Yeah, there yeah, yeah. Alien. Like, uh, like we're, said, we're we're aliens. Where, though? Like, take me there. I'm, I'm watching the show, but.
2: Wasn't there some alien. I, I missed it because it got covered up because of obviously COVID 19 stuff. But what, what was that stuff uh, a couple of weeks ago about the CIA and UFOs? I mean, yeah. Like, hey, everyone's so obsessed with the virus, they've forgotten that the CIA basically went, like,
0: hey, there's UFOs. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I was going to bring that up. That was on. Um... April 29th, uh, the Pentagon released the videos that they actually covered on Ancient Aliens, (laughs) which showed um, fighter pilots following these things that were making physically impossible maneuvers. And they're recorded, and you see them on the show, and you're like, okay, you know, open mind. What is it? What could it be? Tom Cruise filming Top. (laughs) 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 Probably. probably. But, I mean, it was just one of those things, and that was the whole thing. When they posted it, like, and people were like, this is how crazy the times are. The Pentagon pretty much released videos, not acknowledging that it's aliens, but that, what's the new phrase that the Pentagon is using? Unexplained aerial
1: phenomenon. A.K.A. UFO. They say, we don't use the term UFO. We don't use unidentified flying object. Right.
0: Unexplained aerial phenomenon. And you you watch the video, and the pilots are like, what the... you know, and these aren't, like, guys that just got on the plane yesterday and it's their first mission. These yeah. are guys that have been pilots, fighter pilots, for, like, 20 years. And they, they see this and they're like, I don't know what it is. But you know what? I mean, if I saw a bear driving down the street here, like, <laughs> in a stick shift, I'd be like, there's a bear driving in a stick shift. What? How did he do that? You know, no, it, it was a guy in a costume. Was it? I, I don't know. So it, it, it's just – it's just really fascinating to me. And so let's let's break it down this way, then. Let's do the, like I said, Devil's Advocate. The one camp, the cynic, why would they come here? And the other camp is the pro-alien, why wouldn't they come here? And why don't we just freaking break it down from there? Why would they come here?
2: Target King. What? Target King.
0: They saw it on Netflix.
1: They were like, we well, got to check this place out. They saw the trailer. They're like... <laughs>
2: In my planet, we only have the irritating trailers on Netflix that play every time you hover over an icon. We cannot see the whole episode, but it looks so good that we have to come and watch.
0: <laughs> can I just say something? Earlier this evening, I got, like, you know, you get those news updates on your phone from National Geographic and it said, Joe Exotic's old places opened and tigers can catch COVID 19 and hundreds of people are in the park petting the Tigers. Yeah, oh. that, that was like, that came, literally came through a couple of hours ago and I was just like, wow. So obviously Joe's already making enough money in jail to open up his place again.
2: He's not involved now, it's the other guy has it. Oh, that's right, I forgot. What was uh, it, Jeff Howe or something like that? Jeff Lowe. He's That's in charge. Of bitch. It's, it's his joint. Joe's making money now. He just opened a store and it's pretty recent because the first thing I did after finishing the show is check to see if he still had like an online store where you could buy his crazy merchandise. So I assumed oh, he has to. He didn't. But in the last week or so or two weeks of this blowing up, someone came up with a bright idea. They were like, I imagine it was a third party. Came in and went like, dude. Give us the rights to just make a whole bunch of merch and we'll put up a website and like would get it's all gonna go to your legal fees. And he has a whole website, JoeExotic.com or whatever, and it's the crazy t shirts, baseball caps, everything you can think of, with all the like actually it's really good design. There's some funny like stuff there. I was so tempted to buy one, then I found myself about to buy a twenty five dollar t shirt (laughs) and I was like, I'm not buying $25 Twenty-five dollar T-shirt. No, but even though I know that it's all going to Joe Exotic's legal fees, I was like, "I'm not
0: doing that." So, can't. so let's break down the aliens. Besides the fact that I want to see Joe Exotic,
1: why would they come here? I, I guess it's what you said earlier, Tomo. Like they would study us, right? Same as we study other things. Sure. Uh, I've always thought the one the one argument I never hear is, or the one one thought I never really hear. We always talk about it like if there are other, other uh, sentient beings out there, wherever in the universe, we just automatically assume that they're significantly more advanced than us. What is to say that there aren't other beings out there? That there are others. Let's say there are other beings out there, but what's to say that we aren't the most technologically advanced ones? In sure. Nothing, nothing to say that more than it more than there is to say that it's guaranteed that the others out there are just smarter than us. Maybe there's some that are smarter and there's some that aren't. I mean, that I guess would be the most realistic thing, but I never hear that thrown around.
2: That's interesting concept. I think it's interesting to think that we, w- yeah, they, we always assume that Aiden's uh, way more advanced than us because it makes it interesting. And it makes us want to be interested in finding them. Mm -hmm. And the true nature of what it probably is, which is us going to planets and it takes us years and years to get there. And we're studying microbes and we're studying tiny little bugs or particles of things that could eventually be bugs in a million years. And it's so primal. That's so boring to most people that they don't give a shit about it. So therefore, if there are the advanced life forms out there, the way more advanced than us, surely they're equally as bored with us Mm. who are not advanced so surely wouldn't they be spending their time trying to find the sexy things that are more advanced than they are like there's this weird thing of like maybe they're out there but they're trying to find if there are the advanced people want to find the advanced people they don't want to find the fucking like petri dish people that we are and we don't want to put money into the petri dish studies that so it's like a that they did they are
1: there but everyone's just like yeah we're never going to find each other because we're just like a friend of mine told me about a uh, she went down a Reddit hole once. She oh oh boy. It.
0: Reddit holes Basically,
1: over- the, um, the idea was UFOs or aliens and things like that that people have said, people say they have seen, which there's not that, there's like, especially if you look at ancient aliens, right? If it's presumably there's been so many sightings of them a long time ago and less and less of them as things get more advanced, <laughs> is that they aren't aliens, they're us in the future. And we've tapped into time travel, but we're smart enough to know we can only go back to a certain time when they can't record us with their phones. And the reason why, to your point earlier, Tomo, when you were saying, like, if they're really this smart and everything else, why wouldn't they they give us better advice or better, you know, it's just us in the future knowing how things turned out. Just coming back for, it's probably fucking, they're bringing people on a tour. They're selling tickets and they're like, hey, we're going to go to 18 to here we go. And they just hey, pop up look. and they're like, take your pictures. These could be your ancestors from a billion this years is, ago. Here we go. And we're back. This is per I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I was gonna say next.
0: It's like there is there is that idea out there that this is just us coming back to check out history. Because yeah. how many times I I mean, I've said it out a lot, like I would really love to go back in history and check this out just to see how much bullshit has been interpreted one way, whereas, you know, and, and they always, well, always, they oftentimes address this in these historical movies. When they come back, like they kind of did it with, now it was, um, it's history about the future, but I, I, I think there are other examples as well out there. It's Star Trek First Contact, right? Where they go back to find Zefram Cochran, who's the guy who invented uh, a warp capabilities. And there's all these people, That are just like following him every step of the way and they're basically looking at him like a freaking deity and he's just like i'm just a dude who gets hammered in the freaking local bar between ducking salvos from assholes that are still fighting a war it's like i don't know why anybody's even looking at me like that and it's kind of like that idea And, and i mean i've said it myself it's like i'd love to go back and just see what the dinosaurs were really like because right now oh, yeah. theory it's accepted theory but i'd love to just like be like a fly on the wall if you will or just like be in a helicopter and just like watching stuff happen like like this
1: is amazing so yeah you tell me if they if it was if it was an option like instead of going on vacation you could spend a little money and hop on a time travel machine and spend a day and or even whatever just for like an hour just go visit and sightsee a different time period hell yeah true. you would do it well, yes yeah. More likely, well, maybe not the part,
2: but sh- scientifically speaking, I'm fairly confident from what I've heard that is, from just a scientific standpoint, as a theory, time travel is a lot more plausible than aliens.
0: <laughs> yeah, Time travel is totally, they, they just did an experiment a year or two ago in
1: Australia, where they've more or less proven that you can travel back in time do you guys ever see i I wish i could think of the name off the top of my head he was on an episode of the joe rogan podcast and he is some guy who like studied ufos or was in he's a guy who like exposed something oh man i wish i could think of the name of it was
0: he on 42nd street when he was
1: no 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 no. he's so the thing is he's like a very legitimate guy he's like a very reasonable um calm just well thought out dude who basically the story is he was a engineer or something to that effect and asked to work on some project and they never told him anything. They were just like, go study this thing and give us information about it. And you can't talk to anyone about it. And that was all he ever knew. And eventually he came out and exposed a little bit of what he saw, but just because he didn't really know any better and was like, I just want to tell people about this. He knew he wasn't supposed to, but, and then at least from his perspective, they tried to paint him as some lunatic who was like, there's aliens and da, da, da. Anyways, long story short, he's on an, the episode of Joe Rogan. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up and try and get the name. But he's the most like normal, sensible, reasonable guy. And you can tell, at least it seems like from listening to it, that he's not crazy. And his story is basically that he's not crazy. They just tried to paint him as crazy because he exposed something. But the thing he studied was basically, I guess, I guess you'd call it a UFO. Um, was just some sort of ship. And Joe asked him a lot of questions. Like, where was it from? Was... He was like, I was given no information. He's like, there were a couple other guys I worked with. And one of the guys seemed to know it a little bit more. And he told me they found it in an archaeological dig, which means it was from, from the past. Not that it right. just turned up here. But the other crazy thing is he said, and they could never figure it out. And this is the biggest thing they were trying to study. The, the machine or the vehicle, or whatever you want to call it, could manipulate and control gravity and they could not for the life of them find any, they could not, connection. they right. just could not figure out how to, how they could do it. And he said, if you have a machine that can manipulate or control gravity, you can travel through time.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, Which, oh. theoretically, I mean, I mean, hence, hence all of the Einstein theories, the theory of relativity, all of that, that gravity affects time, right? Yeah. The whole, it's the whole thing that Spielberg tried to portray in, in *Close Encounters*. The fact that they took people from various points in history, right, went traveling at close to the speed of light, and they brought them back to Earth, and they're the same age, or a couple of weeks passed for them, but on Earth it was forty years. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean. It's, it's fascinating to see and hear stuff like that. You're going to
1: have to forward to me like which episode of Joe Rogan that because is. I'm trying to look it up right now. There was another one I saw, which I might, I think I found something about this, which was with a, um, either a Navy or Air Force pilot. And I want to say he might be one of the pilots that was involved in this whole thing that's... Um, that just got released? They just released now. Cause his story was that he was in a plane and they saw some unidentified object and he flew towards it. And by the time he got there, it was gone. And his like coat, the other pilot or something, then saw it like behind them. And they turned around and went back for it. I forget it was something crazy, but it like, it moved quicker than they could even see.
2: Um, There's got to be so many air force, Navy, whatever, military people that are going to come out in the next, 30, 40 years with stories just thinking from my own personal experience my granddad was in the RAF post-world War two okay. like he joined the RAF in like 1948 something like that and he was he was in there for like five years and his primary job was closing up uh, radar centers and bunkers that were being used during the war closing
1: right
2: both on the Allied side and the Axis side, going around Europe and closing them up, making sure that they were safe, there was nothing going on there, taking everything that could be used again and just closing them. And that was his job. And he, he never said anything about it. And then all of a sudden, like um, a handful of years ago, and he's 19 now, he's 89, he's 89 now. A handful of years ago, like in his 80s, he just like turns around and he's like, you know, and tells me the story. He was like, you know, there was this one time and I'm not supposed to say this, but I don't think they're coming from me anymore. And I was like, huh? And he said, we...
0: Time out! tell out! before we continue the
2: story.
0: <laughs> First of all, kudos to your grandfather for just wanting to get things off his chest. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, it's like, you know what, Sean? You really don't fucking matter to me. So when they come and kill you, I'm just going to tell you the story anyway. <laughs> so fuck off, you pillock. Let me tell you the story. Okay, go on. <laughs>
2: He, he said. Um, he said one time they, they they'd showed up to this place and it was in the middle of nowhere and it was right in it was a rural it was by the like the cliff somewhere it was out by the coast just like there was this cottage it was like a random cottage just sitting there it looked like an abandoned kind of like fisherman's cottage and they went what's this and they drove up there and they're like oh yeah this is a place we have to check out and like, oh what's this and went there and they went in the cottage. And there was legit like a secret door in this cottage. It was just this old, no one was living in it. There was a secret door and they went down and there was a staircase. They went all the way down and there was an underground, it was an underground base okay. underneath. And it was like every spy movie you've ever seen. There was like marble lined floor. There were computers and bookshelves and all this kind of crazy stuff that was set up. And was was this, no,
0: did he tell you where this was?
2: He was in England. Oh, okay. He was, was in England, and it was never used. Apparently, it was never used. They never used it, um, and apparently, it was part of this secret thing. And apparently, there were loads of them. They were all over the place. These secret bases, these bunkers that were built that are underground, and they were. It was top secret, it was confidential, and he was sworn he wasn't allowed to say anything about the location or what he saw or what it was. And if he did and it got out, he'd go to prison. This was, you know, the 40s. They're like, top secret, top secret. And he said, big old bunker with like, like, you know, all all this sort of stuff you would imagine in all like things, just under some like little cottage in the middle of nowhere, like right down underground in this thing. And that was the 40s, like the fucking 40s. God knows what they have now. My point is he didn't say anything for all this time. Right. Because he was like, well, I was in the RAF. They said it's confidential. You can't tell anyone. It's completely top secret. You never did. And then he was like reached through his 80s. And he's like, oh, they're probably all dead.
0: They're definitely all dead now. <laughs> well, I mean, that's... I'm glad you actually brought that up because that's like the Canadian... The guy who was a Canadian defense minister who came out a couple of years ago and said like, no, 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 there's aliens. We've talked with them. There's, and everyone's like, he's just a freaking senile old man because he was like in his mid or late 80s also himself. And he was, like, very specifically talking about, like, details. And they are like, yeah, he's just crazy. And it's kind of like, it's the perfect plan. It's like, you come out when you're an old person, what are they going to say? You're crazy. No one's going to buy it. Talk all you want. This is why they, they don't say it. It's like, he's just fucking making shit up. He's
1: just pulling everybody's leg. So I found I found the Joe Rogan podcast I was talking Okay. T- give, give, give me numbers. Give me numbers here. So... The first one I was talking about, about the guy who studied the UFO and all that. Yeah. His name is Bob Lazar. Joe Rogan Experience uh, 1315 with Bob Lazar. He talks about, and I, and I, this was this came out in June of last year, June of 2019. Okay, um, so recent. Okay. It's fascinating. Okay. And then the other one, and I just double checked it, and I'm pretty sure I'm right. I didn't do all the research yet, but the other one, when they released the Pentagon video and everything, I was like, this sounds like one of the guys that was on Joe Rogan that I heard of. On October 5th, Joe Rogan experience number 1361, he had Commander David Fravor on. David Fravor was one of the pilots, one of the US Navy pilots who was involved in the, I think it was two different different planes in that video that has now been released by the Pentagon. And they talked about it on that show last October. And that's now been released.
0: Yeah, because they they mentioned in the article that the Pentagon released it. Some TV program released it. They said some TV program. And it was on History Channel. I watched it uh, last year. And it was a dude who worked um, for the military. He was, I think, Army intelligent. And he talked about the various places that he's been and the various things that he's covered up. And he was like a big believer. Like, and they were so like, no, we have to keep this quiet from the public. It's like, we can't keep the public safe if they're not prepared. Like, that was his, his whole spiel. Like, let, you know, we don't have to give them details. It's, it's a really silly thing. And, you know, freedom of press is paramount, quite frankly. Um, it upsets me what journalism has turned into, especially over the last like 25 to 30 years, because journalism is supposed to be completely impartial. You know, you had your opinion fucking page in the New York Times, the London Times, the Washington Post, whatever, where somebody would put an opinion. But the rest of it was this is what happened. This is when it happened. These are the people involved. These are the consequences of it. Blah, blah, blah. And you're just giving facts. Nothing. No fucking opinion. No hyperbole. No nothing. Blah, 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 blah. Facts. And that's what it was supposed to be. But. Because of the internet and everything, everything's turned into a money-making machine. Everything's turned into clickbait. You know, they always take the most, the the, the worst possible snippet out of an article that they can possibly put to just get you to click on it. And then you know you're like, it's like, and the and they got thrown into boiling water. And You're like, oh, fuck, who got thrown into boiling water? And it's a recipe for baked ziti. And you're like, wait, what? Why, why is this even up for a thing? You know? So. You know, I mean, that's what it's kind of turned into.
2: You won't believe what Khloe Kardashian does on a tube, (laughs)
0: right? Basically, (laughs) basically, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so so when you when you see these, and I, I, you know what? I don't even know what my fucking point was. Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) I totally forgot. Never mind. Cheers to the aliens, first of all. To the aliens. To the aliens. And, And and. I like the idea of just people going to the past because, like I said, I've said a million times, I would love to be in a cloaked vehicle watching, you know, the Battle of Waterloo. Uh, Yeah. You know, the movies are fun; they're entertaining. The books are cool, Uh, historical books in particular. I read a book, fascinating history book called uh, *The Four Princes*, and it was about uh, Richard. No, not Richard. Sorry, Henry VIII. Henry VIII was the one that married Anne Boleyn, right? Yeah. So it was with Henry VIII. Um, oh, I forget the French king at the time. Uh, Charles V and Suleiman from the Ottoman Empire. And it basically talked about how they all intersected uh, uh, during, during the 1800s. And it's a fascinating read. And it's one of those things like, so this guy did a lot of research. He looked at all historical texts. But as we very well know, if you win, you write the history. The loser doesn't get to write the history. Yeah, and That, I mean, it's all about point of view.
2: Well, that's what's so fascinating about have you ever read the um uh it, it's so trite now they even uh, the uh people's history of the united states no it's howard zinn it's it's a very uh it's one it's a brilliant book my my father-in-law gave it to me mm-hmm. and he was like i think you'll really like this i might lend it to you if you're interested it's fascinating sure, and sure. It, It's actually um he's brought up in uh What's the one, was the movie, Matt Damon, where he plays a genius, math genius, uh, Robin Williams, genius. an athlete. He won, they won the Oscar for it, Robin Williams. Oh, oh, oh. Good Will Hunting. Good Will Hunting. Um, yeah, they bring, it, there's in that scene where he goes up against the Harvard boy in the bar, where he's being, and he, and he says basically like, oh, you, basically, you think you're so fucking clever just because you read like Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States, and you spat in all this shit like it's your own opinion. And I was and I was always happy like, yeah, I read that book. <laughs> but it's really good. But the whole point of the people's history of the United States, howdzin's a very he's very sort of socialist, left-leaning, intelligent historian, but he's very of that mindset. So the whole the whole book is like you said, instead of the regular history, which is written by the winners, it's written from the perspective of the people of the time. Mm. So like from the perspective of the people as opposed to the leaders. So it's about, you know, and this was the great achievement. It's like, this is what was happening to the people during this time because of what was happening up top. And it's fascinating for that. It it starts from when the Americans first come to the United States to when the book was published. So it starts like when the Arawaks are getting like fucked left, right, and center all the way up to like uh, the 80s. And it's just every point, whatever's going on at the top, it's about what's happening to the people. It's very interesting
1: Interesting thing. And I I apologize. I stepped away for a minute here to use the bathroom, gentlemen, but my bathroom's right here. So I was still listening. So I heard the whole conversation. Um, I actually have that book, Sean. I had to get it for a history class when I was in college. I never read a single page of it, even (laughs) though I bought it for this class. And then at the end of the semester, when I tried to sell it back to get my money back, they were only going to give me like a dollar for it. And it cost me like 70. So I was like, fuck that. I'm going to keep it. So anyways, that book is still at my parents' house in my uh, childhood bedroom. So I might grab that and give it a read, though. <laughs> this isn't even meant to be funny. This is all true. You should read it. It's really interesting. Like,
2: it's dense. Yeah. a thick book. But it's... It, it it's like pop, it's kind of like reading Malcolm Gladwell. Like it's pop history. It's not yeah. boring, like it's it's interesting. Like I love, it, it. it's so fascinating. It basically takes the, anti- it's like, the whole point of why it's interesting or how it got published is he's like, here's the story that you think you know. Right. And here is the opposite thing to that and how that happened. There's a whole section of, like it takes whatever the biggest thing of the time was And it focuses on basically the opposite argument of it. So there's like the whole bit, it was very interesting. It was also one of the reasons I didn't like the Lincoln movie so much. It was a whole bit about Lincoln when it talks about emancipation and just talking about Lincoln during the times. There's a whole section just about how Lincoln just did not give a shit about the slaves, like based on his own writings and all these letters back and forth and all the politicking and just all this kind of like, oh, oh God, I'm gonna to have to free the slaves because it's the only way we're gonna win this war. And oh God, I wish I didn't have to. And <laughs> it's fascinating. And the way that they then leveraged that once it worked out, they were like, yeah. we're gonna write the history that this is the he did this the whole because he was ahead of everyone else and he had all these plans. And history has been written that he's this hero. they're
0: like that's not how it worked it turned out really good in the end it's it's as 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 a guy approaching well as a middle-aged guy i should say i I shouldn't say approaching (laughs) a century mark